Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before your throne one more time. Lord, to worship you through your Son and to worship your Son through your Holy Spirit who gives us all the knowledge and understanding of the things of the Son. Lord, we pray to honor your Son because you have determined to honor your Son. You have given him all things that all may honor the Son as they honor the Father. And we are part of those things. And we are honoring the Son today as we hear from him. As we hear of his work, his complete and perfect work in the salvation of his people. And yet the Son is going to tell us and say, Man do not love God. And they do not love God. As a result, they don't believe in the Son. For those who love God, who have the love of God in them, show it by their belief in the Son. Lord, help us to believe in the Son. Show us the Son that we may worship Him, that we may love Him, that we may adore Him, that we may run to Him. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for your word. We pray and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We teach a gospel that is Christ-centered, that is God-centered. And if you read the Bible, without Christ as the center and purpose of understanding the Bible, you read it in vain. That's why we talk more about Christ than of any other person. As the Lord Jesus Christ said, you look to the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life but it is they that testify of me. So we have God as the Trinity, but it's a Trinity that is Christ-centered. It's a Christ-centered Trinity. The Father is talking about the Son. The Holy Spirit is talking about the Son, and the Son is talking about himself. And if we are to be on the same side with God, we can't help but talk more about the Son. And that is our measure of determining or judging who really has been called by God to preach this gospel. It is the one who talks about the Son, who makes everything about the Son, because the God who created everything makes everything about the Son. So the son is going to tell us today in John 5, verses 41 to 44, and say, I do not receive honor from men, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my father's name, 
and you do not receive me, if another comes in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe who receive honor from another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? There's some men, some preachers who are called men of God. And I know one who has an Emmy Award for acting. And also happens to be a pastor of a very big church. And if you're someone who follows this kind of news, you follow the tell a lie evangelists, you would know of whom I'm talking about. There are conventions these days where men are being honored and given trophies for being the best preachers. Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, 12, For we are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves. But when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are without understanding. Unfortunately, I know one of these churches and the pastor and I can tell you that they don't preach the gospel and should not be given an award for preaching the gospel, even if the Lord required it. But there's even a greater problem with that. The Lord Jesus Christ does not approve of that kind of showmanship in his work or in our approach to God, either in prayer or in charitable giving. The reward of our faithfulness in the work that we have been given only comes from God himself, who tests all things, and that not in this life. The reward of the faithfulness in discharging the work that God has given us is not going to come from other men. It's going to come from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And that's going to be one of the things that is going to be addressing for us here in these verses. The Apostle Paul would also say, For it is not he who commands himself that is approved. It is not he who commands himself that is approved, but he whom the Lord commands. It is he alone, the Lord alone, who bestows an imperishable crown. Everything else that man may give is temporary and perishable. But the Lord says, do not worry about any such reward that man may not give you. Keep going forward. Keep going forward. And he would give us this exhortation through the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3, 12 to 16. This is what the Apostle Paul says. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ. So the apostle says, I have entertained it. Don't give me any crown. 
do not acknowledge any of my achievements because I have not laid hold of it yet. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, forgetting all my accomplishments, and reaching forward to what lies ahead, what lies ahead? It's Christ who lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Verse 15. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. The standard of the gospel. The standard of the truth. The standard of the accomplished work of Jesus Christ. So what we see happening in the modern day church is the worshipping of personalities. Cult of personalities. Flattery and praise of charismatic figures who have big churches and yet preach nothing about Christ and his gospel, which personalities are only motivational speakers and not preachers of God's sovereign grace. For anyone who calls themselves a preacher or man of God but do not preach the gospel of God's grace in Christ are nothing but a motivational speaker. And an entrepreneur who uses the name of God and the name of Christ for gain. They peddle the word of God for profit. And the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come and tell us that he is not one of these. He is not one of these people. He does not receive honor from men. And at this point in his discussion in his conversation with the Jews, he has already said many things about the Jews. And what he has said about them is not good. He has said he does not receive testimony from men. Which is saying he doesn't care what men say or don't say about him. He does not care for the flattery of men. And remember the testimony of the woman in Luke 11, 27 to 28. She thought she had something nice to say about Jesus. She came and said, Luke 11, 27 to 28. While Jesus was saying these things, one of the women in the crowd raised a voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. But he said, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Not my Jesus. Listen to what the Lord said. On the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. She tried to flatter the Lord by honoring his mother. And the Lord said, it's not about my mother. 
it is about God and believing what God is saying and observing what God is telling you to observe. Do not try to honor my mother for that profits nothing. Honor God by believing in him whom he sent. So the Lord is saying, men know nothing about him. And the only testimony that matters is the testimony of his father. And remember, Nicodemus also got in trouble for trying to make a testimony of Jesus. This is true. It doesn't matter who it is. This is what you always have to experience when you come to Jesus and try to be smart. Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he says in John 3, 2 to 3, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus say, answered and said to him, Thank you, Nicodemus. You are a very smart guy. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I said to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And this was Jesus' theological way of saying, Shut up, Nicodemus. You know nothing about me or heaven. But as the Lord is giving testimony of himself, he also says, Although I do not receive testimony from men, and yet I have the authority, I have the right to give testimony about their depravity. You have no right to give testimony of me, but I have the right to come and tell you that you are wicked, that you are depraved, that you don't have the love of God in you. So he gives us a sevenfold witness and testimony about man. He is talking about the Jews, but whatever is true of the Jews is true of all men. So Jesus gives a sevenfold witness. And this is what he says. They have never heard the voice of the Father at any time, nor seen him. That's number one. Number two. They do not have his word abiding in them. Number three. They read the scriptures wrongly because they fail to see Jesus. Number four, they are unwilling to come to Christ. They are unwilling to come to Christ. Number five, they do not have the love of God in them. They do not have the love of God in them. Number six, they receive false prophets. They receive false prophets. Number seven. They receive glory from one another and not from God. That's a sevenfold testimony, complete testimony of the depravity of man by the Lord. It's a perfect testimony of each and every man's problem. And why they stumble at Jesus. All men 
stumble at Jesus because of those reasons. So the Jews have neither heard the voice of the Father nor seen his form. But not only that, they do not have his word abiding in them. Because if they did, they would have believed in him whom the Father sent. They would have received Jesus. So then the Lord is saying, no one can believe in him unless the Father abides by his word in them. The Father has to abide by his word in each and every person who believes. No one can believe in Jesus and his teaching and his gospel unless they have been taught of God. You have to be taught of God to believe in Jesus. And it seems Jesus is going to continue saying this over and over. And you may think this is a broken record. For those who are not experienced to hearing more about Jesus. They may think we are constantly repeating the same things. And it may become boring because people want to hear something new. Something different. But if Jesus is repeating things, we have no choice but to repeat. I have to repeat it because God wants you to know that this is very important. Repetition is for learning and for stressing significance. The Jews have no word of God in their hearts. As to believe in Jesus, and yet they are diligent in studying the scriptures. They are studying the scriptures diligently because they think by studying, by their own effort, that they are somehow going to attain to eternal life. And Jesus comes and says, Jesus is always pulling the rag from underneath people's feet. He comes and says, you can't study yourself into heaven. You cannot study yourself into heaven as long as your studying does not lead to me. It's all in vain. Heaven requires more than burning the midnight candle. Heaven requires that you recognize that the scriptures testify of Jesus. And if they testify of Jesus, it is by him alone that eternal life is had. Because the Jews think they have eternal life by studying the scriptures. Jesus says, if you study the scriptures... You have to come to him. And this was not written for the Jews alone. Jesus said this because we also have the same scriptures. So even today the Lord is saying we cannot go to the Old Testament scriptures of which the Lord Jesus Christ was talking about. They didn't have the New Testament. They had the Old Testament scriptures. And the Lord Jesus Christ is saying we cannot go into the Old Testament and read them for examples. And say, oh Lord, I wish you could make me like Joshua. Make me like Joseph. 
No. The New Testament comes and says, we are being conformed to the image of the Son, to the image of Jesus. We are not being conformed to Daniel, not to Isaiah or Jeremiah, not even to Job. But we are being conformed to the image of the Son, Jesus Christ. The Lord says, you are unwilling to come to me. You are unwilling to come to me. This is not saying these people have the ability to come to him and all they need is just to make up their mind. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that you are not able to come to me. Your nature is that of unwillingness. You are unwilling to come to me. That I may give you life. So, Jesus is saying this in a different way, but explaining the same theology. The people are unwilling to come to Jesus because they do not have the word of God abiding in them. That's one of the reasons that's going to give. They do not have the word of God abiding in them. They read the scriptures, but the word of God was abiding outside of them. The word of God was just abiding in the book. The word of God needed to migrate from what they were reading into their hearts. And because of that, they did not understand what it was pointing them to. But how do we get to have the word of God abiding in our hearts? Because according to Jesus, this is necessary for anybody to believe in Christ. How do we get the word of God abiding in our, in our hearts? Is it by our effort? Because if it's effort, the Jews are already doing it. And they've been doing it very well. And Jesus says, guess what? You still don't have the word of God abiding in your hearts. So how then do we get the word of God to abide in us? We have to be taught of God. We have to be taught of God. For any who is taught of God always comes to Christ. And this language is the language of election. Not all are taught of God. But of those who are taught of God, they always come to Christ. No one can believe in Jesus unless God puts his word in the person. And if and when God puts his word in you, you always, you always come to Christ. Because the word is not given to just stay in you. The word is given that you may see Christ. So I would like to ask the question, who is in control then? Because the Jews have been reading the Bible, they've been reading the Old Testament scriptures for a long time. And still they don't believe in Jesus. So their effort has profited them nothing. So who then is in control of this process? Is it man or God? It's God who is in control 
Man is unwilling to come unless God makes them willing to come. It is straightforward. It is straightforward understanding. But sinners despise such a God who is sovereign. Such a God who is sovereign over who receives Christ and who does not. The Lord says, He does not seek honor from man, from any man, and He does not depend on it, and He does not need it. And yet, the church that is supposed to understand these things has come up with some really wicked formulas of salvation. They are wicked formulas of salvation. That says sinners have ability in themselves to make Jesus into something. They say they are the ones who have to decide for God, to decide for Jesus, and to make Jesus Lord and Savior, and to allow him and to invite him into their hearts. How can they invite Jesus after Jesus has just said to us that men are unwilling? But we have to know what the scriptures actually say about who met Jesus, Lord and Savior. Year Acts 2.36. Acts 2.36. Therefore, this apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost, is preaching. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. <laughs> Christ there is Savior because it's the function of the Messiah, the Christ to serve his people. So you can say, God has met this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Savior. It is God who made Jesus Lord and Savior. Sinners are made to recognize by God that Jesus is Lord and Christ. And Jesus is still Lord and Savior, whether you are saved or not. We do not qualify him to this office, but it is he who qualifies us to be saved. It is Jesus who is qualifying us to partake of the blessings of God in him. And in the new birth, when you get born again, is when sinners are made to recognize that Jesus is Lord and Savior. And when you came to Jesus, guess what? He was already Lord and Savior. He has been serving his people before you were even born. So you did not come to make him anything. For Jesus to be Lord and Savior is beyond the work or power of man. Jesus is not running for political office. Jesus is not seeking for anybody's votes. But to say we are making Jesus into something is to try and give him some honor 
to give him some honor by saying, we recognize your authority by our own will. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. That's not how it works. Hear what he did to the demons when they tried to make a testimony of him. In Mark 1, 23 to 25. The demons tried to make a testimony of Jesus. Listen to this. Verse 23. Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. And he cried out saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. <laughs> and you could not give any better confession of Jesus than that. This is a true testimony. And Jesus did not say, come here. I'm going to give you a hug. Thank you for that testimony. Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet and come out of him. The unclean spirit made a true confession of Jesus. But Jesus does not receive testimony from unclean spirits or sinners, even if their testimony is true. About John the Baptist, Jesus has already told us and said, I do not receive witness from man and I don't care. He does not recognize it as honor. So what was Jesus' response to the unclean spirit? He said, be quiet and come out of him. And I think there are a lot of people who want to make testimony of Christ who could be helped by this command. Be quiet and come out of him. What is the point? Jesus can only be honored by his father. Jesus can only be honored by his father, God the Father. Remember what he said in John 5, 22 and 23. For the father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the son. That all should honor the son as they honor the father. He who does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Let's get more understanding from the Lord. Our testimonies do not add to the honor of the Son. If we have a true testimony of Christ, it is the testimony of the Holy Spirit in us testifying of Christ. For no one says Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying, it is the Father who honors the Son by giving him all things and by subjecting all things to him and by giving him the authority to give life and to judge. So if we understand this, we can't come with a teaching that presents God as desperate to get people to heaven. There's no way. We cannot, if we understand what Jesus is saying about himself and about God, there's no way that we can bring a teaching of salvation 
that has God desperate to bring people to heaven. God is not desperate for anybody to come to heaven. Heaven is not honored less or more by one sinner who shows up. It is the sinner who feels honored to find themselves in the presence of majesty and glory. It is the sinner who is honored to see God in peace. It is the sinner who should feel honored to know who Jesus is. Because many are perishing and have perished without the knowledge of Jesus. We need to teach and we need to understand that we do not bring anything to God that is pleasing to him other than that which he has performed and given in his son. Whatever else we do, this is what God says. Job 35. Job 35, 6-8. You never are going to hear this from many pulpits. Job 35, 6-8. This is what the Lord, word of the Lord says. If you sin, what do you accomplish against him? Or if your transgressions are multiplied, what do you do to him? If you are righteous, what do you give him? Or what does he receive from your hand? Your wickedness affects a man such as you, and your righteousness a son of man. God says, your sin accomplishes nothing against him. Even if your transgressions are multiplied against him, he says, it accomplishes nothing against me because I am the Lord and I change not. God is not going to have high blood pressure because someone did not get saved. And he says, well, if you thought that it was just about the wickedness, let me tell you, if you think you're righteous, if you are righteous, which you know you're not, he again says, that does not accomplish anything for God. He receives nothing in his hand from the righteousness of any creature. He says your wickedness only affects sinners like you. And your righteousness the same. What is that saying? It is saying God is not like man. God is not like man. He is the sovereign one. He is the self-sufficient one in everything. For from him and to him and through him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. That is the confession of one who knows the God of Jesus. So if we know our God well, what is Jesus claiming? By these very statements, what is Jesus claiming? Jesus is claiming that he is God. I do not receive honor from man. He is saying, I am God. I do not need your evaluation. I don't need 
your praise, I am sufficient all by myself. Whatever the Father does for me, that is what is sufficient for me. Verse 42 of John 5. But I know you. They don't know him, but he says, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. The Jews thought that Jesus was mad and upset because he did not get an endorsement by the religious leaders of their day. They think Jesus is mad. But Jesus turns around and says, no, 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 you don't understand. You are the problem, not me. He tells them that they are the ones who are at fault. They have no love of God in them. Because if they did, they would not have rejected him whom God sent. They rejected Jesus, the ambassador of God. And so in the process, they rejected God himself. And we know this even in our own lives. If a foreign country rejects what the Secretary of State says, then essentially they have rejected or defied what the President of the U.S. has said. And there could be war because of that, depending on what it is that's being talked about. For the representative comes with the full power and authority of the state and the president. And Jesus is coming with all the power and authority of God and as God. So the Jews demonstrated their lack of love for God in not only rejecting Jesus, but in their acceptance of false teachers and prophets. And Jesus says, this reveals a lack of love for the truth. Acceptance of the teaching of false teachers is a demonstration of the lack of love for God and Jesus. And this is a very serious charge and we are going to develop it a little later. An additional failure of the Jews was their desire for acceptance and approval from other sinful men while ignoring the favor and the will of God. Listen to John 12, 42 and 43. These are themes that you are going to find throughout the book of John. John 12, 42 and 43. Nevertheless, many, even of the rulers, believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him. For fear that they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the approval of man rather than the approval of God. True faith in Christ. The Jews could not express true faith in Christ. Why? Because they were seeking approval from the wrong object. 
they were seeking to please man and not God. So how does one know that they have the love of God in them? Jesus gives us a profile. Jesus is giving us a profile of how one can actually know whether they have the love of God in them or not. He says they believe in Jesus and his gospel of salvation by grace alone. Through faith alone. Because you see, right from when we started, the conversation hasn't really changed. It's about believing in Christ. And believing in Christ alone, what shall we do to do the works of God? Go feed the poor. Give a tenth of all that you have. No. Believe in him whom he sent. So, we can tell that one has the love of God in them because they believe in Jesus. And they believe in his gospel of salvation by grace alone through faith alone. And secondly, that they do not accept false teachers or prophets. And thirdly, that they do not seek the approval of other men. Listen to John 5.43. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. So whoever comes in their own name is received, but the one who comes in the name of the Father, the name of God, Jesus, is not received. And this is still happening in our day. The Lord says the love of God is demonstrated by one's faith in the Son. What does that mean? It means those who follow the commandments of the Son. But which commandments? The Ten Commandments? No. The Son came and gave his own commandments. 1 John 3, 23 to 24. 1 John 3, 23 to 24. And this is his commandment. If John understood things differently, he would have said, these are his commandments, the Ten Commandments. John was a Jew. He could easily have said that. But he doesn't say that. This is what he says. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ. So to believe on Jesus is a commandment. And love one another as he gave us commandment. So those are the two commandments. And he says, now he who keeps his commandments, which commandments? The two commandments of believing in the Son and loving your brethren. And he says, he who keeps 
his commandments abides in him and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he, he has given us. That's a mouthful. Do you see how connected this theology is though? John is telling us that the love of God in the person can only be tested, can only be shown by their believing in Christ. And if you believe in Christ and you love the brethren, it means God the Father abides in you, the love of God abides in you, the Son of God abides in you, and guess what? The Spirit of God abides in us. So to believe in Jesus is the first commandment of God to those who will attain eternal life. But the false prophet, but the false prophet and the teacher come in their own names. They don't come in the name of Christ. We have a lot of them in our own day. They are known by their soul and soul international ministries. And I'll tell you, that formula of international ministries is a good formula to draw a big crowd. And if we can change our name next week to James Guyo <laughs> Agape El Shaddai Healing and Deliverance International Ministries and we have a big sign. We can even incorporate it. With that kind of name, they're coming. With that kind of name, I'm telling you, they're coming. And all we need to do is to hire some bouncers and start pushing people. And people will start falling. <laughs> but with that kind of name, when we come with that kind of name, when you're coming in your own name, the people will hear you and will be encompassing land and sea to make one proselyte and make them a child of hell. But why are people more willing to receive the false prophets than truth? People love to receive false prophets because they tell them what they want to hear. They don't have the love of God in them. So they can't love the things of God. They can only love the things of those who tell them what they want to hear. 2 Timothy 4, 2-4. 2 Timothy 4, 2-4. This is Apostle Paul's exhortation to Timothy. He says, preach the word. That is, preach the gospel. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. Listen to verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, 
they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. In accordance to their own desires. And will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. A time will come and now is when people are not enjoying the truth. People are not tolerating sound. And the literal translation of the Greek word translated sound is healthy. So people will not tolerate healthy doctrine. So instead of sound doctrine, that is healthy doctrine for their souls, they seek out false teachers, that is those who are good at tickling their ears. So they will shop for and accumulate or heap up for themselves teachers in accordance to their fleshly desires. That's what Apostle Paul says. So they accumulate them. They have like a collection of them. So as a result of that, because they can't keep listening to the truth and to their false teachers, they have to choose between the truth and the false teachers. So they turn, they turn away their ears from the truth and turn them aside to falsehood. Because falsehood and truth cannot abide in the same place. What is the truth that they are turning away from? They are turning away from Jesus and the gospel. They are turning away from Jesus and the gospel. But why are they turning away from Jesus and the gospel? Because the terms of the gospel are humbling and humiliating. To always be told that you are a sinner and you have nothing that you can contribute towards your salvation. There's nothing that you can do to get yourself saved. That's humbling. And a true gospel always is humbling. And you see that in our current religious landscape, those who listen to T.D. Jacks, who also have an ear for who? For Joe Austin. And they will also have an ear for who? For Creflo Dollar. For Joyce Meyer. For Kenneth Copeland. But remember what Apostle Paul said. He says they will accumulate for themselves those kind of teachers who teach the same thing. All these people that I've named have one thing in common. They do not preach the gospel. And if you accept one of them, you have essentially accumulated all who preach the same version of their false gospel, the prosperity gospel. And anyone who is preaching a false gospel, if anyone is preaching prosperity gospel, 
they are not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And by this definition of Apostle Paul, they are ear ticklers. So Apostle Paul is saying, they heap them up. They make a heap, a pile. They accumulate for themselves those who tell them what they want to hear. Tell me about me. What am I supposed to do with this Jesus? You have told me too much of Jesus. Tell me about me. What is my responsibility? What is my part in this? Jesus says you have no part in this. Your responsibility is to repent and believe. These preachers are ear ticklers. It is not just their style of presenting the gospel that is unique. We can't say, oh, they are just different. I can listen to Brian Bogman. He has a different style. I can listen to Elder Skeppel. He's different. But they preach the same gospel, the true gospel. What these other guys are presenting is not the gospel that saves anybody. Oh, Lord have mercy. It's such a blessed thing to be given the ears to hear the truth. And what usually happens when one has been following these guys for too long and they don't know the truth, if you tell them that these guys are not preaching the truth, they almost want to eat you alive. They defend them. They defend them so hard. And they'll get upset that you are telling them that these guys are not gospel preachers. And they'll argue and say, well, people have different gifts. If any man has a congregation, they have to have foremost the gift of preaching the gospel. They have to be preaching the cross. They have to be preaching justification. They have to be preaching the atonement, propitiation. That's what they are called to do. And Jesus says, if you believe in these people, you have no love of God in you. You have nothing of God in Christ. So the problem of ear tickling is twofold. You have those who are being tickled because they do not want the truth. And then you have the problems of the ear ticklers themselves who have a ready product, a Christless and a crossless gospel that makes a happy marriage but only for a while until Jesus says get away from me I never knew you you workers of iniquity but didn't we in your name didn't we do this in your name Jesus says no you accumulated to yourself those who told you what you wanted to hear. Those who told you things that you thought were very practical. 
about life. Jesus was not revealed to make your life practical. Jesus was revealed that you may be reconciled to God. That you may have a righteous standing before God. That you may be sanctified and justified and be glorified. But who is this who comes with the testimony of God? It is that person who brings the testimony of Jesus. Don't ever go anywhere in any capacity and say you are going to teach people about God without teaching them about Jesus and what he has done. You are not teaching anybody about God if you don't teach them about Jesus and the cross and what Jesus accomplished. So the testimony of Jesus is the health, healthy and sound doctrine, the hard truth. And that is how, as I said, you have to listen and judge this man. Otherwise, you also run the risk of being tickled away with them to hell. False teachers sound like they are saying the truth. And so they will sprinkle Jesus here and there like raisins so as to draw you in. They will give you a little bit of Jesus. And you're thinking, oh, we are having church. But this is just so that they can get a foothold of you and draw you in. And once you are in, they turn you away from the truth to their midst. Woman, thou art loosed. Woman, thou art loosed. And before you know it, you have 500 pages of knots of foolishness. Just writing stuff. Just writing stuff. Verse 44 of John 5. And that will be our last verse. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and you do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God? What is the glory from the one and only God? Jesus Christ is the glory from the one and only God. So Jesus is saying, if you are believing the false prophet, you are not believing in him. Because if you believe in him and understood his doctrine, you would not fall for the false prophets. If you understand Jesus right, he's saying, that should protect you from falling for what these guys are preaching. So discernment comes from knowing the truth. And the truth comes from knowing who Jesus is and what he has accomplished. And it comes from a continual hearing of the truth. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the person of Christ and his work is the truth that false teachers can't preach. They can't preach Jesus. Because if you are preaching Jesus, there's no way that you're going to have that many people. There's no way. 
if you're preaching the cross of Christ, faithfully, they are living. They're going to live. See, Jesus says, how can you believe? How can you believe? He is saying, once you are overtaken by the false teachers, but you see, they have no love of God in themselves, and yet they are receiving the false teachers. So he says, once you have been overtaken by the teaching of the false teachers, it is very hard for you to hear the truth. How can you believe? It is hard. So we come and tell people that salvation is by Christ alone and no other work. And sinners will say, but I have some good works. <laughs> I have some good works that have to be factored into the equation of salvation. And that has you adding to what Christ has done. That allows the false teachers to give you formulas. But once you think salvation is not complete, once you think you improve your own standing before God by what you do, you open yourself to the false teachers. You open yourself to their formulas, to their recipes, to their ingredients with which to mix and blend the work of Christ with and to make it look better and perfect in your own eyes. And when it looks better and perfect in your own eyes, you hit your chest like King Nebuchadnezzar who said, is this not the great Babylon that I built with my own hands? Is this not the Jesus that I chose, accepted and made Lord and Savior? When you start mixing and blending Jesus, you have put yourself back into the yoke of slavery. Remember that teaching from Galatians, chapter 5, chapter 6. You have been drawn back to live the life of one who is under the law. But if you seek to be justified by your works, the apostle tells us that Christ profits you nothing. You have fallen from grace as a means of justification. You now have to stand on your own. And there are people who chase useless conferences every year. They go to this useless conference. Women of power. Woman thou art loosed part one and part two and part three. And they come back with more booklets and notes. But even more, they come back with more invisible chains around them. So they have to go back the following year to get more books and write more notes. And their condition continues to get worse and worse. Why? Because they are not being taught about the sufficiency of Christ. They are not being taught of the rest in Christ. And there's no rest for one 
who does not believe or know that Jesus alone is sufficient for salvation. Jesus alone is sufficient for your justification. They want to be taught. They want to be told that they are women and men of power who can change society. We can't change the society when the gospel has not changed us. We have to hear the gospel. We have to be changed by the gospel before we can try to change society. And I'm telling you, you write a lot of notes. I know, I know a lot of people who go to these things. I'm not just making it up. I know people. And they have a lot of notes. And they write a lot of useless notes. But Jesus says, that's all the work of the false teachers. I am not a false teacher, Jesus says. I do not receive honor from men unlike them who receive honor from themselves. And the Lord taught this principle of honor in many ways. If you read the Gospels, you're going to hear the Lord teaching us the principle of honor. And we have one example here in Luke 14. As we draw to a close. Luke 14, 8 to 11. Luke 14, 8 to 11. He says, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for someone more distinguished than you may have been invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this man, and then in disgrace you proceed to occupy the last place. But when you are invited, go and recline at the last place, so that when the one who has invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you have honor in the sight of all who are at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. The gospel of grace, as I said, has very humbling terms. And those terms are contrary to our nature. They are contrary to how the flesh wants to be honored. The gospel of grace is inviting you to come and recline, not at the place of honor, but at the last place, at the bottom place. And grace alone and faith alone in Christ alone is what gets every sinner to recline at the last place. That Christ himself, who has invited people to his own wedding, may personally come to you and say, friend, move up higher. Come, friend, move up higher. These are humbling terms. Jesus is teaching people how to be humble, and how God accepts people. He is saying, God accepts those who have no merit in themselves. Because for you to accord yourself a high place of honor is saying, look at me. 
I have all that it takes to be honored this way. But Jesus says, no, no, no. So to be saved by grace alone is a humbling term. Because it is saying there's no merit of yours in this whole transaction. To be saved by faith alone is a humbling term because it is saying nothing in your hands you bring before God. But these terms of salvation are the very ones that God has designed to exalt Jesus Christ. And it is those who humbly submit and accept these terms who shall be exalted. And as I said, the Lord himself shall come and say to them, Friend, move up higher. And man will not come to Christ to have life because the terms of life are too humiliating for them. The terms, imagine trying to teach someone about acceptance who is a mad billionaire. They have worked everything by themselves. They have done a lot of work by themselves. This gospel of God's grace strips them of everything that they have done. It's very humbling. They would rather have their own show and believe the false teachers and their message that exalts them, that exalts their flesh. But the true honor shall only be given by God to those who believe in his son. The ones who retain the love of God by believing in the son as their only source of justification and hope before him. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you that you have allowed us to hear the teaching of your Son, that he does not receive honor from man, and yet he knows who is man, that man left to himself is unwilling to come, that man left to himself is willing to hear from the false teacher and not from the one whom you send, that man left to himself is willing to receive honor from other men. But Lord, we have not learned Christ this way. We have learned Christ as one who comes and say, if you have to be honored, you have to sit at the last place. That he himself may come and bring us to the place of honor. And Lord, we pray and thank you that he shall not fail to bring us to the place of honor. And Lord, we thank you for your people. May you grant them ears to hear what says the Spirit. May you teach them these things. May you pull your people who have been overtaken by the false teachers. That they may come to Christ. That they may love the gospel of God's grace. Salvation by faith alone in Christ alone. Lord, we honor you. 
And we thank you. May you bring us all together again. And may you bring your people, as many as have been ordained to eternal life. We pray and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.